Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Uh, Really excited about our guest today on the show, uh, whose name is Sam Taggart. And for very selfish reasons, I am super excited to go in deep with Sam and pick his brain. He is a door-to-door selling expert which uh, means you know, if you don't have expertise or, or experience with door-to-door selling, it basically means he's a total stud who does a really hard thing really, really well and creates a huge amount of value in the economy and for his clients and for his students and um, you know, has clearly mastered something that's a challenge for a lot of people. And I like anytime I get an opportunity to dig deep with somebody that's a master in a difficult thing. So, that said, Sam, welcome to Millionaire Secrets. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited you're here. Um, like I said, we, we were just talking right before the show. Uh, you're, you're here in Utah, right? I'm assuming from your area yeah. code? Yeah, live up in uh, Draper, kind of just south of Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I know it well. My, in fact, my wife and I were driving up that way often um, because when we had a baby, we used a fertility clinic in Pleasant Grove. And so that was like a couple years we were in Pleasant Grove all the time. And I actually used to have an office in Orem and uh, I used to have an apartment in Orem and my wife fa- has family in Orem. Yeah, it's like, it's like, and we're actually going to Park City next month. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in Southern Utah, but especially in the summers. Dude, I, I'm coming down there with my mastermind group in July and I'm like, I don't think they're ready for the heat. We're just staying right there next to Sand Hollow. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So Yeah, well, it's it's beautiful even when it's hot, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll I'll be up your way, you'll be down my way. So, you know, obviously a lot of Utah is kind of like its own little its own little bubble. So, I was excited uh, to connect with a fellow Utahn. Turns out we have some mutual friends. It turns out actually we have a very good friend who's uh, my neighbor. So it's kind of a small world, but but still a big subject, um, which is, you know, really from, from what I can tell of studying you online, it's, it's sales, it's, but, but frankly, it's more than sales. I mean, when you're talking about being excellent at door-to-door sales, it's habits, it's drive, it's discipline, it's communication. Yes, it's sales, but it's, it's really almost like, it's almost like coaching athletes would be my take on it. I mean, I, I used to own it's a call store. center where we hired door-to-door guys and it's like, it's commitment. It's fair? different when you're sitting there, when you're, when you're getting, when you do sales and you've got a lead list, you've got appointments scheduled for you, you've got a setter that's giving you deals, you've got referrals, you've got retail people coming into your store. There's all sorts of sales. There's, there's nothing like going and beating on somebody's door that they are not expecting you. Yeah. And a hard no into a hard yes. And I truly believe that some of the best sales guys out there are the ones that are willing to go door to door. And, um, you know, we've created a community, a tribe, you know, we have an event that's got thousands of people come every year, uh, D to D con, you have a Facebook group with tens of thousands of people in it that just, you know, we band together, we do a hard thing. And, you know, we started a nonprofit, the door to door association last year, and uh, just to help, like, bring some coolness to it. I think, it, I think when people are listening to this, they're probably like, oh, door-to-door, we I'd never do that. Like, that's stupid. And I'm like, no, uh, one, there's a lot of opportunity in it. Two, it's not stupid. It's a really, really viable way to market. Um, what's stupid is a lot of sales and entrepreneur people, they twiddle their thumbs probably 75% of the day. And then maybe 25% of the day, they're actually prospecting, talking to clients. You know what I mean? You do, you right. do the, an actual normal sales environments. And a lot of people aren't talking to people. They're just waiting for a lead. They're lead babies. They're sitting there kind of hoping to get a sale. They're not willing to go hunt. So it's the hunter versus the gatherer. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. And, and what I would say to anybody that, you know, poo-poos or thumbs their nose at door-to-door sales is like, listen, I don't care what somebody does. If you're sitting on an airplane next to a guy that's a world-class power lifter, you want to hear what that guy has to say because he does a really hard thing that exacts a, 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 you know, a toll on a human being that most people couldn't sustain. And this guy's figured out how to do it at an elite level for years or decades. Ditto with door-to-door sales, like a good door-to-door sales guy. 
ditto with a grandmaster chess player, ditto with an elite computer programmer. Like, don't thumb your nose at something that requires excellence, especially when it's something that correlates with a very, very high compensation. Because what that tells you is, whether you value it or not, somebody values it a lot, and if you wanna be more valued in the world, you should probably be learning from that guy. Because a good door-to-door guy, never mind if you're a team lead or a manager or a, a director, just a good door-to-door guy can go have, I know lots of guys that, that ended up later working for me when they got, maybe it was like six or seven years into it, they would go make six figures in a summer. Yeah, yeah I mean, with security, pest, solar, they'd fly out to a city where they didn't know anybody and they'd go around knocking doors for three months and they'd come back with like 140 grand. Don't thumb your nose at that. Yeah, I mean, it's super common. Like a lot of people making six figures in a short amount of time. A lot of people, you know, making a million dollars in a year selling. You know what I mean? There's, when you say million dollar secrets, I maybe have my head in the sand, but I know a lot of millionaires built off of door to door. Where I don't know a lot of millionaires built off of. I don't know. Tell me something. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It's like athletes, celebrities, sales. I mean, I always tell people I have like a stack of like people because I get hit up all the time. You probably do too. Like, what do I do? Where do I start? I want to make money. I'm like, well, do you have money? If you have X amount of money, great, go invest. If you have less money, yeah, maybe start a business. If you have no money, learn to sell. Learn to sell. Like, I, that's where I go. Like, I'm like, I don't know a lot of millionaires that are some, like, project manager or some, like, customer service person or some, right. you know, whatever. I just made me a million-dollar earner pushing, pushing pencils and, and numbers and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. Yeah. yeah, if you're the sales guy, you're the guy that gets everyone else paid which means you're going to be able, you're at the front of the food line, so you get to command the most, right? Yep. And, and even, you know, if somebody's like, well, I want to, I'm a business owner. I'm, I don't want to do sales. I own, I own a business. You sure you don't do sales? Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure I, I've owned numerous businesses, and I, I feel like I'm selling myself all the time. Dude, I literally, it's funny, you know, I, I, I don't, I like am a door-to-door expert now, but now I just train all these door-to-door guys and companies and owners and literally I get giddy still. Cause like just before this podcast, I just finished a sales call right before that, another sales call. And I'm selling, you know, a different service, a $60,000 product, a hundred thousand dollar product, a $10,000 product. That's just services, not yeah. so much knocking, but it's like, I still think I'm knocking and it's like, I'm, I'm trying to keep the damn lights on. I'm trying to like get these guys paid in my office. Like I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm still heavily selling. Right being a business owner. And I think a lot of people, I think that's what makes successful entrepreneurs. I think the entrepreneurs that come in and they're like, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a scientist. I was at dinner last night with a guy, Aaron Wagner. He's stud. He has thousands of businesses and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I mean, it just like, it blows my mind, this guy. Right. And he started, you know, he owns like 200 restaurants and he has like, all of a sudden he comes he's like, yeah, I have a stem cell lab that I own. And I'm like, how do you just start a stem cell lab? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what the freak dude? Like you have no business doing stem cells. Right. And he's like, no, I just met this like scientist and this doctor. And I go, you don't know a thing about business, but you've got this cool stem cells. Can you make me these? They're like, yeah, we know how to make them. And he comes and he's like, I'll sell them. He calls, he calls a friend. There's a doctor. He's like, Hey, would you buy these stem cells? If I could do this, this, this. Yeah. How much would you pay for it? Okay. How many would you order a month? Okay. And then he's like, cool. Yeah, let's do a business together. I already got our first sale. <laughs> just like, like before he even says, you know, but it's like, you look at it and it's like the scientist probably would have never picked up the phone, never called homeboy, never yeah. been like, let's go. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it would have been this game of let's make really cool stuff, but never get it off the shelf. And I found that so many people are afraid of this grind that it takes to pick up your phone. Like I literally have multiple demos at the damn CEO. I have a whole sales team, but I'm still on the phone with them being like, let's close deals. That's how we make money. People. Yeah. I'm like, my big problem is like, let's go collect them. Let's go like produce the deal. Like, like that's my struggle, but like revenue is not our problem where I think most businesses revenue seems to be the problem. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's that's so true you know i was talking who was i talking to yesterday oh no it wasn't yesterday it was this morning i was talking to a buddy of mine and this guy is like a genius i mean he's a wizard at what he does he he like when it comes to uh, ranking businesses and, and gaming the algorithm and, and knowing how to get business to the top. I mean, you could give this guy any market in any term and be like, I want to be the number one search result for, you know, chiropractors in Los Angeles, and right? Something that's really that. hard. And dude, six months, he'll have you like, no problem. He'll have you there. And he's struggling. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? He's like, yeah, lead generation, lead generation. I just like, it's, that's not my strength. And I'm like, and he's like, and see, I used to own an agency. And to be honest, I really wasn't like a great digital search rankings expert, but I sold, I had 30,000 clients in six years for that agency because I was, I'm a marketer. I'm obsessed with lead generation and conversion, lead generation and conversion. And, you know, I, admittedly, I struggled on the back end. I was like, my refunds were too high. My fulfillment was weak sometimes. My customer service kind of sucked on certain days, but I could sell. And like you say, man, if that's your, your stupid human trick, not only will you never go without, you'll always be in demand. And even if you don't want to do the rest, there's always someone else that'll pay you to do that part for them, which is why the door-to-door industry is so big, right? Yeah, 100%. So, Let's back up then. You're obviously a baller sales guy now and sales trainer and, and entrepreneur. Clearly, you've diversified your skill set. You, you, know, you may be self-deprecating about it, but you also run a really successful business, which means you do do those other things. Um, but, but from what I understand, sales is really how you got your start. Is that right? I mean, you, like seven years old, you were selling, what, golf balls or something? Yeah. Okay. So did you just always kind of know, did you always have like the gift of gab or did somebody tell you like you should be in sales or did you just feel like that's where the opportunity was? Like what, what pulled you into it? That's a really good question. I, yeah, there's a lot of people are like, you're just a born salesman or there's a lot of people like, you're just not, I'm just not a salesman. I've heard that. I mean, I've recruited thousands of salespeople who have worked for me over the years and you know how many times I hear people when I'm recruiting, they're like, I'm just not a salesman. And I'm like, what does it like? What does that even mean? Like, so I, I though from a young age was a salesman. Yeah. I though from a young age, you know, got off on selling stuff because I just thought it was fun. And whether it was me crocheting beanies and selling them to friends, or me going to the golf course and selling huge golf balls I dove in the lake for, yeah. um, whether it was me, um, you know, and then when I was about 11, my brother got me into door-to-door. So my first door-to-door gig was um, magazines, like these coupon books. And he's like, he, you know, his smart brother. He's like, hey, I, I get 20 bucks. I'll pay you 10 and uh, let's go sell these. And uh, anyway, I, I did okay. I mean, I didn't like it. And then my cousin's like, hey, let's paint the addresses on the curves. And, and, and he had been doing it for a minute. He taught me the little pitch and I go out and sell more than he does. And he's like, dang. And I was like, dude, I just made like 200 bucks today. I'm like 13. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what 13 year old kid comes home with 200 bucks cash. You right. know, that's not touching that. And anyway, like I was like, this is fun. So I got 11 of my buddies working for me um, all through high school. We, 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 we spray painted shirts called the Gutterman. Um, and I started my first little business um, in high school, just, managing sales dudes <laughs> so little did i know you know 19 years later still doing it still just, you know <laughs> slinging it managing sales dudes you know and every year i kind of got a little better and better and when i was 18 i graduated high school and i got shipped out to dallas and i went and sold alarms and uh that's just 2008 and uh and and i did really well like i was like man i just made like in two months, as an 18-year-old kid, I just made like 25 grand. You know, what a, What other 18-year-old kids got 25 grand in his bank? You know what I mean? Right, right. And, you know, so I think in two months, it's like, oh, that was, you know, hey, this guy went and did an internship. That guy went and mowed some yards. And this other <laughs> guy played Halo for the last like eight hours every day. So I, I, I said, I'm going to go do something in my summer. And then 
I, I, at that point, you know, even in curves, I became an addict. I also think sales can become addicting. It's like a heroin thing where you start taking it and you start getting hits of like commissions and you go, how the freak would I do a normal job when in two hours I can go make 150 bucks as a 13 year old kid? Why would I go get a job for 10 bucks an hour? You know, I'm looking at my friends working at in and out and working at whatever. And I'm just like, well, that's a waste of like, like I would go crazy knowing that I could go beat the streets and print money. Yeah. So I, I literally, whatever the product was. So then I, 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 I remember I finished, I was doing curves and, or, and then a senior year dude hits me up and he's like, Hey, you should sell knives. And then you should sell ShamWow and quick chopper two thousands. I sold these like little and Kmart's and I do these like, demos and be like everybody come watch this demo and i'd like whip up salsa and give out chips and salsa and sell it like yeah. you know, like i uh anyway i just and then every year i've just kind of said what's bigger and better so you know i did alarms for a long time then solar obviously came along and it was a higher ticket and had a little better commissions and i was like well let's try that so then i did that and now i'm like selling consulting it's a little harder ticket and just finding new things to sell it's fun so Love it. It, it, and, and I totally agree. I, uh, I'll share with you briefly. This, this conversation is about your story, not mine. But as a connection point, I'll tell you, I started a business in my 20s selling, of all things, coupon cards, kind of like coupon books. And we would go into college towns and we would print all these cards and we would get sorority girls to pass them out. And that was literally half the, the appeal of the business is like, we'll go get sororities to help us pass them out and get to hang out with sorority girls all summer. But there was actually, you know, that was free. You had to make money by selling it to the local businesses. So I'd go around these, these small college towns like Baton Rouge, uh, Manhattan, Kansas, Stillwater, Oklahoma, big colleges, small towns, right? It's kind of insular culture and not always the friendliest business owners to some city kid from out of town coming in. And business to business, door to door, same thing, trying to book appointments, getting our butts whooped, but we had to get 30 accounts in every market and we had three months to do it or else we wouldn't be able to afford to print these cards. And you know, from the first one you sell, you're making a commitment. You say, hey, we're gonna have 40,000 of these cards on campus each semester. And as soon as you sell one account, you're committed. <laughs> and, but yeah. now we gotta go sell 29 more to be able to pay for it. So you start a clock and that pressure and, and just the whole grind. I mean, it was 100 degrees. It was humid. It was just me and my buddy. Everybody hated us all the time. But you do it. And now, I never wonder if, if I need money, I never have to wonder if I can do it. You know, and that to me is the best thing about what we're talking about here is the self-reliance. It's, it's, it's so funny. I started this business where I didn't take a, a paycheck for a year and a half. This is about three years ago. And in the back of my mind, my, like you said, the security was if push comes to shove, I could ship out somewhere with some product and get my mortgage paid for pretty dang fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like my security was my own ability to say, I'm not afraid at all to go fall back on what I know best, sell something, as I'm trying to put a foundation to a business where now we have, you know, 25 employees and you know what I mean? So, but it was like, I had to bootstrap all that. Like I had to go fund it through something and it, it was just a good peace of mind. And so I just invite anybody that's trying to get into sales. Like, I mean, obviously you got Jeff, I have a YouTube channel, DDD experts has a ton of sales training. I have an online training platform. I have podcast, DD podcast. I mean, I'm here yeah. to help. Like, here's the free stuff. Um, and, but I, I would, I would, I would spend some time and energy mastering that craft. And, and, and it's funny, I'm playing golf this morning with my father-in-law and we were talking about personality types and there's certain people that they're like, if I'm not the best at it, I don't want to do it. It's like, you know, you get invited. If I invite you, Jeff, it's like, Hey man, me and my buddies, we're all going to go play water polo. You want to play? You might be like, I, I, I suck at water polo. I'm just using this as an example. That's why I'm bringing it up. I don't know what you like. I'm assuming it's not water polo. So I'm like, Jeff, we're all going to go play water polo. We've been playing for the last 15 years. We just need an extra guy. Immediately, you're probably like, uh, water polo is not my thing. Right. 
it to me. Is your gut reaction like, if I'm not the best at it, I don't want to embarrass myself. So why go and why try? Is it, hey, I'm, hey, hit me up in a month. For the next month, you're at the freaking swimming pool, treading water, like practicing the little like arm thing. Or is it, you know, I, I, I'll just come and suck and I'm okay with that. Like there's kind of three responses you can take to this, right? Right. And I think a lot of people in sales, they take the response of, oh, I'm not good at that. I'm not a salesperson. So then they just like shy away from it and never play the water pool. And I go, well, that's like, why don't you just be the guy that's like, well, I'm not the best. That's fine. Like, I'm going to give it a shot. Like, I'll just go and don't, don't laugh when I suck or play the shot of I'm going to spend the next month really figuring out what the freak, when somebody says I'm not, or I am good at sales, what the freak does that even mean? Like, I, you know, they think it has to be some personality. They have to have like, I'm, I'm a funny, goofy kind of funny guy. Right. And they're like, well, that obviously is a salesperson. I go, no, some of my best salespeople are the most dry, boring people that I was like, I've never heard him talk. I wonder what he sounds like. And all of a sudden he's pumping out numbers and you're like, yeah, I'm so confused. And for me, I was so confused for a while. And I realized it's not a personality thing. It's do you understand the method of sales? Do you understand the process, like the formulas? It's like a mathematical equation. If you do this, this happens. If you do this, you, this person does this. And it's just putting the equation together and getting good at that equation. And I think a lot of people, they deem themselves, uh, I'm just not gonna do that. And I go, dude, you're, like you said, you're literally sacrificing and forfeiting your alliance, your, that self-reliance. You're, you're giving up control of your own outcome to somebody else who is going to own sales and they are the ones that are gonna control the outcome. Yeah, I, I mean, I could not agree more. I can speak for my own organization that our top two sales guy, one of them used to be a project manager for a software company. He's a technical engineer by training and he doesn't, I love him. He's like a, he's like a great friend of mine, but he's not like life of the party, yuck, yuck, always quick with a joke kind of guy. And then our other guy, he's like this kind of surly, like Portuguese guy who English isn't even his first language. He, I mean, he, he garbles his words sometimes. And he just crushes it, dude. He just crushes it because, like you say, it's a process. It's like it's like uh, you know, like a golf swing. It's almost it is kind of like a golf swing. You're not you're not the most jacked guy. Oh, he's the strongest, so he can hit it the farthest. That's not how it works, right? Same. Amen. Um. So so yeah, I, I love um, I love that you're advocate that, that you're proudly an advocate for selling. It's not a four letter word. It's it, it's actually the the vital necessity at the core of all business like if you don't like sales go live in a communist country where products don't have to be sold in order for people to get paid oh and by the way let me know how that goes right 50 years later the whole country's crumbling because nobody was driven yeah i think uh i think people put their head in the sand in the fact that we do live in a capitalistic country and you're like, if I'm going to capitalize on things, that means I need to create capital through selling stuff. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they, they are afraid to put the mantle on of I'm a sales professional. You know, you go to your high school reunion and the dude, you know, you're like, Timmy, how's it been, brother? And he's like, good, man. And of course, like any male, like the masculine it's like they play this alpha game where the first 10 minutes is everybody sizing each other up to see right. who's the alpha male. And then essentially one person will establish its dominance. <laughs> I don't know if you ever pay attention into a social set setting. Hey man, so like, what do you do for work? Oh, cool. Like, Oh, let me see a picture of your wife. Like, like there's like this like game of like social cue, right? Yeah. And you're playing the game and everybody's like, yeah, I'm a doctor. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I started a business. I'm an entrepreneur. And then they get to you and you're like, oh, I'm in door-to-door uh, -door sales. Like, no, first off, you probably wouldn't say that because of the shame inside, right? You'd yeah, be like, true. You'd be like, well, I'm a, I'm a contractor or I'm a, you know, I'm an independent um, sales, I'm a sales consultant. I'm, a, I'm an account manager. I'm an account manager, yeah. Or what, you're going to like disguise it with something maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's so funny. If you, I was trying to see if I could just turn my computer in my trucks right here. And I, I wrapped my truck and it says, hashtag, I knock doors. 
There is no business name. There is no website. There is no nothing. And it just says, I knock doors. And every door-to-door con that we go, we, we give away a shirt that says hashtag I knock doors. And we, you know, we've kind of branded this like I knock doors like motto of like, take some pride in that. Be like, I knock doors. Like, what are you like? Okay, you're a mechanic. And somehow the mechanic got way more cr- street cred at that reunion than you as the door knocker. And you're yeah. like, wait a minute. I had to like sell my grandma and that I had a real job for like two years. She's like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to get a real job? And she'd always ask me that every time we go over. And I was like, grandma, I made a half a million bucks last year. I'm 23 years old. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> she's, she, she, like, I finally just was like, I was trying to be humble for the first little bit. And then finally, I'm just like, I got to tell you, grandma. I own X amount of real estate deals. I have X amount of dollars in the bank. I have, X, you know, and I'm sitting there like, and she's like, no. And I was like, grandma, you take all your nieces, your, your grandkids combined that are younger than me and put all of their income together. And that would still not equate what I made this year. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it was because she's like, you're still doing summer sales. You're still doing door to door. You're still doing. And yet I started to believe her as if I was like scheming people like, Oh, well, that's a wrong thing to do. And I'm like, no, I'm helping provide an awesome service and product. just like anyone else that's providing a business. Yeah. I mean, I I had a guy come to my door the other day uh, offering a solar package. And first of all, I already knew that I wasn't going to buy because I just know we're not going to stay in the house long enough for it to make sense. I'll say you solar right now, Jeff. Yeah, I'm sure you would. But what I, well, here's what I told the guy. I said, first of all, I'm not going to stay in the house that long. So it it won't make, like it won't back out for me, but I love the game. Let me hear what you got. And he did it and we talked and we had a great conversation. I just have so and he was good. I, I just have so much respect because yeah, I mean, you're moving capital through the system. And if those guys, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the, you know, the military or not to like pick a touchy topic these days, but like the police, like, oh, people don't like the police. People don't like the military, this and that. Okay. You know what? Let's do without them for three months. People don't like sales guys. Cool. Let's, let's have everybody stop selling for three months. See how that goes. Watch the stock market. Watch the freaking job market. Watch your job. If you're your listening, job. watch your job go away. Like I'm yeah, going to and, and my best sales guys. Like that's fact. I'm going to say if I had a hundred people in my company and I got to choose which ones I got to cut it in half, I'm going to keep my best sales guys. I'm going to get rid of most everybody else and your job security just went out the window. So yeah. I, and, so, and, and when all else fails and, and your back's against the wall and here's, here's what I would say. Cause a, a large part of my audience, I know that a lot of people listening to this, they're like, well, I don't have a staff. I don't have a hundred people to cut or not cut. Yeah. You got one person yourself which means you got a hundred percent of your available bandwidth so let's not talk people let's talk bandwidth how much of that hundred percent should be focused on sales and revenue generation oh my gosh you don't even get started so it's so funny i i I did this thing called i i I teach this principle called time value paranoia where it's like what is my time and the value associated to it and am i paranoid about what i'm doing with that time nice i'm stealing the hell out of that dude that's so spot on so if you simply say, like, why am I on the damn sales call? Because it was an $80,000 contract that I could have been selling. Yet my finance guy was beating on my door going, we need to get all these books and accounts and, and, and uh, we need to get all your, your chart of accounts better up. And I'm like, that can wait. I'm closing a damn deal. Yesterday, I'm filming this video, right? And this guy calls that had canceled a $120,000 contract, one of the biggest contracts we sold. And he paid 30. So I'm like, okay, we made some money. We didn't even deliver $30,000 of value. So I'm like, oh, that's a wash. He calls in the middle of our film session. I look at my camera guy and I'm like, Greg, you realize this is going to be like a $90,000 phone call if I take this. So I better effing take the call. So I call, I saved the deal. Nice. And you know what I mean? And now today we got it all scheduled and he's back on. So it's like, I literally look at this and I go, if I'm doing anything but selling, ask yourself, if I were selling, how much per hour would I be making? If I'm not selling, can I delegate that to somebody that maybe is for $12 an hour, $20 an hour? 
So like people go, Sam, why do you have so many? My parents are even, dang, your overhead must be X, Y, Z. I go, my overhead's what it is because I know every employee that I have is doing something that I would have had to been doing myself that would impede me from doing what I'm good at, which is getting more business. Yeah. And, and that creates team, you know? Yeah, I, I love, dude, like I said, time value paranoia, uh, I consider that uh, swiped. Because I'm using it, because I, I talk about that all the time, the time value of money, the, the monetary value of your time, but I love the, the, the application of the term paranoia. I'm like, paranoid. You have to be, like, because like, paranoid is a, is a, I mean, that's a term that gets used in like discussions of psychological problems, insanity, craziness. You have to be that, that crazy about it. So, so take this podcast, for example. I could have said yes to doing the podcast, or I could have said no to doing the podcast. There's some podcasts I just simply say no to. I'm like, how many episodes have you guys got? How, how big is your audience? I like literally ask now because I'm like, I get hit up twice a week to do a podcast. And I'm like, that's two hours a week. That's eight hours a month. So I do my hourly. I'm going to spend, call it, I charge people like three grand an hour. So eight times three. Now I'm spending, you know what I mean? And I'm just sitting there going, so you want me to do that every, you know, and, and, I, and I do the math and I'm like, I get it. Like I have to do podcasts. That's like part of our brand. That's part of our marketing. So I'm all about it, but I have to ask myself, I'm paranoid. I'm going, is it worth my time or could I be doing this and this and this and this? When I watch Netflix or I'm sitting on Facebook for an hour during the day, you're like, Oh, flush. That's three grand. Yeah. Oh, flush. That's three grand. You know what I mean? It's like, are you, if you looked at your day like that, and sometimes once you get really dialed at it, you're, I'm going to do a whole different like swap on you. It's now your time allocation exercise. I tell people, because if you get so paranoid about your time, my golf, I played golf this morning. So technically I cost me to play golf this morning. You know what I mean? Right, then you right, get right. so obsessed. So I do a reversal on you once I teach you the whole time value paranoia. But now it's like, where's your family valued at? Do you know so many business owners? I coached this guy last week. And I did, a, I did a, an assessment of where he's spending his time and he's working 83 hours a week and his wife is sitting right there. We're at his boot camp I hosted. His wife is there. And I go, does this sound about accurate? And I was like, how's the relationship going? I was like, do you ever see your husband? Right. If I can help your husband bring that down to 50 hours a week and have a little bit more time and discipline to spend and invest time in you, how would you, how would, how would you like me now? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, he, and, and, and both of them are like, we need that. We need that. I'm like, yes, it's just, you're doing, dude. I'm like, why were you on a guy's roof for two hours today? You don't need to be on a guy's roof for two hours. Like, what are you doing? Having breakfast up there? Like what? Like, you know, and I start picking him apart. Right. And he's like, oh, I guess you're right. I don't have to do that. I guess you're, I just saved you 20 hours a week just by just saying, cut that out, cut out that, 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 that. And, and I found so many business owners I mean, this guy's like, you know, a small little roofing company. It, 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 uh, it boggles my mind, me included, that, that people don't use their time efficiently and they don't spend more time selling. It's, it's absolutely, and I've, I've done coaching as well, and I would say consistently we could probably talk to 100 different people that do coaching and say if you could just fix one thing about everyone to make the world a better place, it would be like time management, you know? And – Here's a, oh, I lost my train of thought. Keep going. I, I lost my train of thought. Trump, here's my up. question. How does Donald Trump still play effing golf? Yeah. Like, and I people mean, get mad at him about it. This guy last night, this guy last night, he's got 700 employees. He's got like so many effing businesses. Yet his, his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter is number 20 in the world for golf. She's like a six handicap and he's a, he's like, yeah, I'm her caddy three times a week. That's a four hour round three times a week. I'm like, where does he, he's got seven kids. I'm sitting there like somehow you managed to do that and run 700 business. Like, dude, I'm like, my, like he management. he's probably at some point in his life, he had to get obsessed probably to the point where it was annoying to the people around him. It even alienated and ran off some of the people around him who didn't have his same level of commitment or priorities. And at some point he was okay with that because he knew the life that he wanted. And, I, and uh, what's, what's interesting, he said something that hit me and he's like, I'm approaching forties. 
And he's like, I think you come to the realization there's like maybe a select group of friends you care to hang with and it's your family. He's yeah. like, when I was in my 20s, I was a social butterfly. I talked to everybody, their freaking dog. I was all over the place, every event. And I, and I thought about this. I was like, dude, I am all over the place. Like I'm trying to make friends here and there. And I'm trying to have a relationship with that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. When I really don't even care to have a relationship with that guy, that guy and that guy and that guy. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. here's my core group of friends I care to surround myself with that are uplifting, that give me, a, give me energy. Who's my family that I care to be with? And it, and it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of coming and turning that curve right now. And I think the earlier that I can turn that curve, not that I'm trying to alienate, defriend everybody. I'm just like, do I have to maintain this friendship of some dude I went to college with and I'm talking to him five years and all of a sudden he hits you up and he's like, hey, we're all doing this. It's like, I could say yes, but then I have to say no to something else. Yeah, I, I had a guy, I, I mean, I, I've had this conversation with, so many people I'm 41 and I feel like I'm at the age where a lot of people are like having this epiphany. I had it. Yeah. I actually think the best thing that ever happened to me was in my late twenties. I was so broke. I was so down that a, my successful friends were uncomfortable being around me and B because I pivoted into internet marketing back in 2008 at a time when that was like some weird fringe thing. Nobody related, nobody supported, and I kind of like was forced into this break with most of my life. And it's been amazing because I've been like pretty solitary ever since. I mean, I have a wife, I have four kids, I love my life. But like, I, it's like once you have that, that experience of either pulling away by choice or being pushed away by life, you go, this isn't actually as scary as I thought been trained to think it would be. And I'm getting a lot more done. So. Um, the one thing I want to ask you, because I know that my, a lot of my audience is sort of what I would consider aspirational entrepreneurs. They're um, either they have a lot of people I, I get contact me, they have a job and they would do anything to get out of it. Uh, or they are young and they're like, Oh, this, I'm not sure school really prepped me for the world. And this Jeff guy's talking about this other stuff. And I, I, I sense some value here. Let me learn more. Uh, but they're not at the place where they have a $3,000 an hour value on their time in the market, right? What I'm always telling people is, you know, and it's cliche, but the whole like be, do, have thing, you have to start acting, you have to start being the way you would be as if you did have that value. So, and then you'll start doing different things. And then eventually you'll start having the results and getting the value. And it, it, it literally, it's like a law of the universe. And I, I'm, A, I'm wondering if you agree. And then I'm wondering if so, like, was there a, a, a point in your life where you made that shift? Or was it because, was it the say, I guess you already answered the question, maybe that when you started selling and you realized you could create that much value in your time, then it became annoying to have to do anything else. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I agree with the whole be do have but I think I'd put a twist to it that I think is more accurate. Okay. Um, you know, I'm writing a book right now called the achievement formula. Um, cause a lot of people are like, I want to, I need to be that. I'm like, well, how, that doesn't make sense. I'm still in school or I'm, I'm working for this guy and I'm like, I'm not an entrepreneur. And so I would back up a little bit and I'd ask yourself, why the freak do you want to be an entrepreneur? Like, you know, how many people shouldn't be entrepreneurs. You know, how many people shouldn't like they're, they, they think that because it looks cool, but they'd really be good as a number two. They'd really be good as a, a VP and, and a supporting role. And, and, and I tell people, I'm like, entrepreneur doesn't mean sexy. doesn't mean more money. doesn't mean automatic, like freedom. People go, I'm financially free because I own my business. And I go, no, you're financially screwed because you have no money. Like, <laughs> I know more of those than I know that I'm financially free. I actually have to worry about 25 people that I got to pay their payroll every month. Like, you know what I mean? I would have been a solopreneur and I could have made hella money, but that wasn't my vision. So the question I'd ask to start before B do have is say, ask yourself really deeply and spend some meaningful time instead of going with the society says is cool. Why? Like what, what, or what, like, what do you want? Like, and then why do you want that? So I start with like, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of a career? What do you want out of an income generating type situation? And why do you want that out of that? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And it's, it's, it's profound. I, uh, 
I was having a talk on, on, a, on the podcast, I don't know, it was a month ago, uh, probably with a guy, his name's Onik, uh, Onik Singhal. He's the founder of learn.com, which I think technically makes him my competitor with Antra, but like, we don't care. The ocean's big and blue, right? But we kind of had the same, this moment where we both realized like, if all we wanted was this entrepreneurial lifestyle that Instagram makes a caricature of, which is like, I play golf and hang out on the beach all the time with my laptop. We could both have it because we're good affiliate marketers. But yet, meanwhile, we both have organizations that have dozens of employees. He has this big, beautiful facility. And we, we, we both have to work 50 or 60 hours a week to manage this thing that we've created for ourselves completely by choice. Because it actually isn't about just being carefree. But yeah. that's because we're entrepreneurs, which is kind of what you're saying. Because it sounds like what you're saying is you could go work 300, or, or sorry, three months out of the year and make 400 grand or whatever and then be peace out for nine months. But that's not what you want to do, right? I very well could do that. And I very have been tempted and I have done that. I mean, I would take my family out of the country for at least two months, a month to two months every September, October. Because that was the thing I could do. I go ham in the summers. I go travel for a month or two out of the country. Yeah. And I, you know what I mean? I do fun stuff. Like I live a great life. I snowboarded all winter. I'd go like, you know, 30, 40 times a year. Where most people, it's like they, sh they wake up in the morning and they were like, I gotta go to work. I'm like, I gotta go snowboarding. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, and, and I, I would say, so when you ask, like I wasn't an entrepreneur. I have a way more hectic, scary life right now than when I was selling. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, you know, so ask yourself, it's like, okay, am I just trying to get a better life? Well, maybe it's just a position that doesn't give you the financial upside. Maybe it's the skill sets you don't have developed yet to get the financial upside. And then it's like, or is it the creation? Am I in, like for me, but my thing was I like to create. I like the variety. I like to see something from a blank canvas and make it something. Um, and that created fulfillment for me. And so I felt like I was running into a wall just doing the same thing repetitively. So I just like my job because I have money and I have a playground that I get to go put, you know, I get to go like play to like a sandcastle. Like I get to go create cool stuff. And we have multiple companies and multiple products and multiple things and every time I turn the corner it's a new idea and I'm like fetch like oh, should we do it should we not <laughs> like you know so for me that was fun and it wasn't about the money it wasn't even about the lifestyle because I think I would get bored if I golfed every day all day or was traveling too much you know after a three-week vacation you're kind of like I'm ready to go home and be productive like this right. is boring you know <laughs> so and I think that's just the, my DNA I don't know yeah, I, I will say one of the really cool thing, because I look at everything, you know, I have this, I kind of try to take the long view. I've conditioned myself to like focus on 10 years as much as one year. And what I will say about starting a business is it is a, an incredibly hard thing. And if you do it, opportunity one is you put yourself in a position where you can become a much more powerful person. And I don't mean like, political power. I mean, like, I'm a powerful person. I have skills. I have muscles I can flex. I know that I can go into the world and have impact and create. And, you know, the experience of all the things you have to manage to own a business effectively draws out of you some greatness, right? Yes. And so, so you, A, you sign up to do a hard thing and you got to be excited about who you're going to become in the process. But then once you become that person, this is what I will say. I know a lot of successful business owners who they had that period of time when their life was super stressful and hectic, but now they sit on boards, they consult, they get paid to do keynotes. They, they're able to make their 50 or hundred grand a month working like four days. I, I, I did a podcast with Ed Milet. Mm -hmm. He's a pretty big entrepreneur in space yeah, yeah. or whatever. And uh, one of the things he, he said that hit me super hard was uh, there's a season and he's like, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, this guy's top 50 under 50 in the country. He's worth over half a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, people don't realize I knocked doors for 10 years, just 
hard. Yeah. And he's like, people don't see the grind and they think they can shortcut their success. Like there's, there's some shortcut. And, and he's like, I don't know many people that have just shortcutted the millionaire. Like when you say it's the millionaire secrets, I go, the secret is persistent patience doing something over and over and over again. And like, you know, like you said, powerlifting, they were just persistently patient to stay with powerlifting long enough to actually be good at it. Yeah. Where instead of like, Oh, I went and powerlifted a few times. This is hard. I did it for a year. Like, you know what I mean? You're not going to be the pro powerlifter. You did it for a year. Congrats, dude. Like, and I think that that grind and that mental fortitude to stay in something and just grind it, even though it's ugly, it's worth a lot. And, and who, do you, who do you become? This is what I love. Like, like you're talking about sales. And I would actually say it's the same with sales. Sales and entrepreneurship both have the same, a similar qualitative factor, which is who you become in mastering it is an incredibly powerful person from the standpoint of potential and opportunity and, and resilience. So, so to me, it's like, why people are like, Oh, why would I want to do that? Why the heck would you want to do anything else? Why would you want to do something that 10 years later is not going to have changed you? It's not going to have pushed you. It's not going to have grown you. It's not going to probably really have promoted you that much. And then it becomes like, they're the crazy ones. Kind of. Yeah, I, I find it so crazy. I literally was golfing today and I look to my father-in-law and I look at the greenskeeper. And this guy's probably a 35-year-old dude. And sorry if you're a greenskeeper listening to this. And I go, what do you think that guy's passionate about? Like, you know, and so we go talk to the guy. He worked there for 13 years. And I was like, okay, but maybe that's what he loves. But he's been mowing the green for 13 years at this golf course. And I go, like, it just like blew my mind. Like, I was like, is that just his, pa like, I was like, maybe that's what he's passionate about. And I think you got to ask yourself, is that what I'm, am I, am I right now quit and start on a progression path to where you, you don't end up being the dude 13 years later, still mowing the yard. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and there's a book, how will you measure your life by Clayton Christensen? Phenomenal book. Mm. And he talks about this, the youngest C CEO to, um, of a fortune 100 or something black and Decker and he's like, he took the most unconventional approach to become CEO. Most people, they go to college, they go get some cool internship, dope job after, and they, you know, they're trying to build this resume. Well, you know, and he's like, I'm going to graduate college. He goes and gets the dumb job that's like this weird programmer that was paying way less than all of his friends because he's like, I graduate from Harvard, yet most Harvard grads go get $150,000 salary. He's like, I took a $40,000 salary. But he's like, I did it because I needed the education in this one little element. And then two years later, I did another job that everybody's like, what the freak are you doing? Is like, I'm learning this skill set. Mm -hmm. So that he built this like little library of skill sets so that when it came time for him to move up in Black & Decker when he went to work there, he was the one that was like, oh, I know how to do all that. And everybody's like, oh, how do you know that? Like, it, and it just... He put in the time early on taking the sacrifice so that he could do some big things later on. Yeah, that's such an interesting story. I've not read the book. I've not heard that story. Um, but I have personally experienced the value of, you know, in marketing, we call it like full stack people. We want to hire full stack marketers. In tech, they call them full stack developers, right? Like you want guys they can do servers, they can do hardware, they can do software installations, they can do server-side code, they can do forward-facing code, they can do user interface, user experience, optimization. Like a developer that can do all those things replaces like eight people. And there are developers out there. And when you know that they can do that and they say, well, I'm $200 an hour to work on your project, you're like, I don't care. Because A, they replace eight other people. B, they get the project done twice as fast. 
see, you know, it's done right because nothing's getting lost in translation between parties. And it's true, you know, with marketers, it's true. If you're a copywriter that you understands design, understands funnels, understands basics, you know, website creation, like there's just no, nothing better. And I, I don't know, it's interesting you say that because I think about how, you know, I'm, I'm pretty competent in a lot of different areas around marketing, but the way I got there, nobody taught it to me. It was like, I had to do this super awkward twists and turn route to get that competence. And, and it's interesting that in the educational process, they're always trying to get us to narrow down to a specialty. When you're right, it, it, in terms of leadership, it's actually versatility that's more valuable. Yeah. Amen. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, mean, I think so. So, so find a light on that. So, so if you, so let's make this technical. If you are a person that's at a dead end job or you're in school, or you're not in a field, ask yourself, do you want to strategically put yourself in a place where you're playing chess and you're saying, I'm now this so that I learn this. Now I'm this so that I learn this. Or you just did a temp transitional job with no intention to why you're in that transitional job. You might not be in the end all game, but are you playing Stratego saying, let's move six bases this way and take my, this guy and this, you know what I mean? Like, how do you play career Stratego to get you to where you want? Um, and that would be my one advice. It might not be straight into entrepreneurship because you don't even like, I hired a marketing guy, speaking of marketing, he was trying to start a marketing agency. Then he started to become an influencer and they tried to sell all this affiliate and they tried to become a ClickFunnels guru. And he comes to me and, and, and I was like, you know why you sucked? It's because you had no product or no brand to sell. I'm like, come market here. I have a product and brand to sell. I need yeah. somebody to market it. And, I, and it was like, he was trying to be this entrepreneur. He's like, but he got it kicked on his face so long for like three years and he's broke as heck. And I'm like, maybe in three years, once you've like built a product that makes sense to sell, or why don't you just be a good marketer for a good company like us? Yeah. And that's yeah. Got him, you know what I mean? And, but I was just like, some people, they're not ready because they don't have a business idea that actually makes sense to be a business. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it was interesting because that guy inadvertently did what we're saying. Exactly. I literally go, you are exactly what I want. You yeah. have a better job than you being broke ass entrepreneur that has no made no money for the last three years. Like I'm going to pay you good money. That's safe. That's salaried, but I would have never hired you had you not gone through that hell. You know what I mean? Like I had, I, I had 40 applicants. I set up interviews with two because not any of them had the resume. Like I wanted his was exactly what I wanted. It was almost like he like read my brain and he put it in his like skill sets. And I was like, done. <laughs> and yet, and yet both his, self-identification and probably, you know, who knows his life, but maybe friends or family around him were probably thinking he's a failure. Yeah. Why'd you give up on entrepreneurship? I'm like, why don't you come with a dope big company with an awesome culture that can build something like, like yeah. that's not a bad thing. Like you and, just, and, and I hope that everybody's hearing that. Like, first of all, there's no like perfect, there's no pre pre-written prescribed perfect path. It's usually success is messy, first of all. Secondly, like it really is about what you can do. It's not about what you've done and it's not about what result you've gotten. Your value in the market is based on what you can actually do. And, and this is, I think, with so many people that are trying to, like you say, accelerate through success. And they see all these influencers, they see all this, you know, social media makes it look like it's just this thing that people put in the microwave. No, it, that's all crap. All that matters is what can you actually do? And if you can't, if you can't answer that question about yourself, like your guy was probably like, yeah, I haven't had the result, but I can do this. 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 And you're like, that's awesome because I'm going to take all that and connect it with what I've got and you can get the result. But People that try to just get the, you know, do this thing for show, but it's like, I don't, they don't have a list of all the things they can do. What good is that? And, and, and yet I very, I very rarely get people hitting me up asking the question, 
how can I learn to do a bunch of really valuable things? In fact, I don't think I've ever had anybody reach out and ask me that question. They're always asking me, how can I make money? How can I have a life like yours? How can I move out of my parents' basement? They, it's always, how can I get the result? Nobody's ever hitting me up. I hope people listen to this podcast and be like, start hitting me, start hitting Sam, start hitting the people that you're looking up to up. And, and only, the only question that's viable is, how can I learn to do a bunch of really valuable things? Amen. Right? It's like I dropped out of college, but I, dropped, I, I committed to spending 30 grand a year every year on education. Mm. Because I simply was like, I'm, I, I'm sick of spending money on school. And I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with spending money on me and learning and gaining skill sets. Like, you know, marketing, I became obsessed with spending money on marketing courses and going to marketing events and learning that. And then now like Monday, Tuesday, I fly to Tampa to go to a speaking course. Um, you know what I mean? Like that I spent a lot of money to go to where I'm getting coached by the best speakers and, you know, and so I, 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 is that, is that what they are? No, with a guy named Myron Golden. Oh, yeah, I had Myron on the show two weeks ago. Yeah, so I fly out this cool. thing. So, I mean, um, yeah, like, the, like for me, there's – it's just there's a lot of cool opportunities out there. And I think that if you don't take and say I need to be the student, like there's time for my learning, and it's like – my wife's like, you're going to Tampa. To, you're going to just like go hang out on the beach, aren't you? I was like, no, babe, this is my college. I get like five days a year that I have college. And these are two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's, and it costs more than tuition. So yeah, I'm going to go like, um, and you know, and I think that people don't strategically plan that in their calendars. So anyway, I don't well, want to. What I'm hopeful is after we, after we wrap this recording, you'll send me the info. Cause I'd like to hit up Myron and see if I can make that work. Cause that guy's a stud. I would love to go take a speaking class with him. Um, well, listen, man, I know that uh, you've, you've already spent about $3,000 with me. I mean, an hour with me. Um, and I appreciate it. It's been tremendous uh, because you're, somewhat local. I, I'm sure this won't be our last, uh, you know, connection yeah. point. And I've really enjoyed it and I've appreciated it. And most importantly, I think you've given a huge amount of value to the audience because this is the truth of it, man. This is how, you know, scrappy little seven-year-old kid fishing golf balls out of, out of a pond grows up to own his own business, write his own ticket, be able to make millions of dollars, be able to go make many hundreds of thousands of dollars very quickly in the summers and travel for months at a time. If that's what he wants to do, like at the end of the day, it's this skill set has created options for you. And right now you may be choosing an option that's really busy and hectic, but it's not because you have to. And, and for me, happiness is what percentage of the time am I getting to do something that I chose? Not that was forced on me. Yep. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So well, thank you, man. Thanks for letting me be on the show, man. This has been fun. Yeah, of course. Hey, so people want to, I know you mentioned some, some domains and stuff earlier, but I'd like to give you time to say it again. If they want to follow you and if they want to learn from you and if they want to buy directly from you, share it all. And obviously we'll put the links in the descriptions too. So Instagram, I have two. So I'm at the Sam Taggart and at D2D experts, YouTube, I have a Sam Taggart channel and I have a D2D experts I have a podcast, DDD Experts, or DDD Podcast. Um, you know, I have a website, thedddexperts.com. That's probably where you can find out. Like, you know, we help people with sales, leadership, and recruiting. Those are kind of our three pillars. You know, and it doesn't have to be door-to-door -door companies. We've helped all sorts of companies from, I mean, I was just on a Zoom call yesterday with the funeral service companies. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen it all. It's crazy. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think uh, – yeah, those would probably be the easiest ways to get a hold of me is like Instagram or Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah, we'll get those links from you. And uh, dude, just thanks again for your time. This has been excellent. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. 
head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.